We're going to jump in where we were last night, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 10, together again tonight. And um, the Lord is, is so clearly here, so evidently here. I'm going to do my best to get through some of this. Um, if you get done before I do, feel free to just like go for a sleep or like whatever works uh, for you in this. Uh, Father, we are grateful. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for what you're doing in this region in these days. Uh, we ask for eyes to see and uh, to see clearly. I pray tonight as we gather around your word, God, would you um, impart and increase kingdom culture in us, the yearning for you in all that we are and all that we do. God, we pray as it is in your heart tonight, let it be in our hands. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, Jesus stood up in the last day of the feast. We're going to come to Matthew 9 in a moment. He said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come, let her come and drink. The one who believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of their innermost being or out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. By this, he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Any believers in Him? Yes. Those believing in Him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And all John is hinting at here is the ascension is what brings the outpouring. So, uh, tonight we're not wrestling for outpouring. Because Jesus is glorified, the Spirit is poured out. And we, as sons and daughters of the living God, we get to live in the overflow of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, there's just this recognition where Jesus said, out of your innermost being is going to come life. Wouldn't you love that? To have a, a posture towards our city where we walked its streets bringing life. That we lived with a posture not of trying to extract something from the city, but where we were continuously bringing life. And uh, that's where we're going to journey a little tonight as we learn to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I felt uh, this kind of unusual experience for me, but while we we're worshiping tonight, I felt I had a, um, like a visionary experience that honestly does not happen to me very often, which is why I'm being slightly cautious around the language on it, because um, I'm not entirely, it's new for me, and I'm uh, wanting to grow in those areas. But I, I, I felt like I saw, I think either the Spirit of the Lord or uh, the angel of the Lord, but just moving down the river, just hovering all the way down the river, like the Holy Spirit just uh, above it, uh, over the bridges. That's how I recognized it was here, just over the bridges. Um, and I felt Him come and sensed or perceived Him come to rest on the embankments, towards the embankments. So I was immediately reminded as any person growing up anywhere near a Pentecostal church will know, I was immediately reminded of Ezekiel 47, of uh, where the river goes, life begins to come. Uh, and I felt like uh, God is uh, doing something in your region around the area of compassion. I was drawn today and reminded that you have uh, a number of homeless people and marginalized people who live 
along the river. And uh, God's grace is about to appear over your city, but it's going to appear in disguise. It's also going to be visible, but it's going to be hidden among the poor that you understand that the poor are not our project, they're our partners, right? That they're the people whom God moves. When God wants to rebuild a city, He moves among the poor. We know this because Jesus' first reference to the Spirit was this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to announce good news to the poor. So you kind of know that it's the Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of the Lord because it moves towards the poor. That's one of the best indices of a spiritual movement, right, that's Christ-like in its, its scope. It moves towards the poor, but he's borrowing there from the prophet Isaiah, isn't he? Isaiah 61, that's where he's borrowing. And Isaiah 61 starts with the Spirit on us to announce good news for the poor, but then in verse 4 it says, they, meaning the poor, or how do I say it with an American accent, Dave? The poor, the poor, <laughs> the poor. It says, they, the poor, will rebuild broken cities. So the movement of the Spirit is first towards the poor, or the poor. And as they are built, as their brokenness is healed, the Lord begins to partner with them to rebuild the city. This has ever been the way. Think of David's kingdom and you get this picture where the Lord announces the kingdom to the 400 disenfranchised who later become the administrators of that very kingdom that David will oversee. They become his generals and all of that kind of stuff. And I sense that the Lord is about to do something in this area around the poor. You're going to see it's already happening in small level, but you're going to see governmental favor shift towards the poor in your area. So, those in government are increasingly going to have hearts of compassion towards it. The church is already there with compassion, but you're still seeing them as projects and not partners. And the Lord says He wants to give you His mind for His children, because His children need His mind. And if we look at them as people that we move towards to help, we're dehumanizing and depersonalizing them. But when we look at them as people whom the Lord resides upon and rests upon to bring life to the city, they grow and we flourish. And together in partnership, we bring something to the city that's only available through the poor. Some of the best art in your city comes from the poor. Isn't it? So, you're going to see the Lord begin to do that. Um, of course, this is already happening around here, but this is just my sense of as that begins to increase, your churches are going to look a little bit messier. Is this okay? Is this legal? Uh, is this legal? That, that as the Spirit moves that way, your, your churches are just going to look a little bit messier, and if I can say it in uh, tenderness, and a little smellier. Right? And I don't mean cover roast, right? Or whatever the roasts are. I, I just mean the Lord is bringing His friends to meet His friends. And He wants the graces in that. There's a heritage in, in um, there's a brilliance in who you are as a community, um, and there's an invitation in, I believe, in the Spirit to clothe this community in its right mind that it just comes from the grace of the Lord to clothe the community in its right mind. What would it be like 
not just to have Christians thinking differently, but what would it be like if our community was clothed in its right mind? I'd like to be part of that kind of city. I believe the Lord is stirring something. I believe it's on the embankments of the river. I could tip into some other prophetic things, but honestly, that's as much as I saw in that moment was just the Lord moving in those ways. So, you already know Matthew 9, verse 35, the Bible says that Jesus, verse 35, was uh, around in the cities and villages because that's where the Spirit leads us. Jesus is under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We know we're moving with the Holy Spirit because He leads us, He leads us into the world around us, moves us uh, Jesus in the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease. Would you just holler if you got healed last night? <laughs> wonderful, wonderful among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then you know the story. He says to his disciples, hey, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up workers for the harvest. Uh, but I want to rephrase that slightly differently tonight and phrase it this way. Pray that the Father would help the church or pray that the church would see that she is shepherds for the city. Ask the Lord to raise up shepherds and pastors in the city pastors who are not pastors of churches, but pastors of industries. Ask that the Lord would raise them up. Ask that He would raise up pastors in the medical profession. Ask that He would raise up people who would adopt whole people groups in your city, who would be moved by the Spirit to adopt whole areas in your community. Ask them for pastors in the realm of adoption. Where are you? There's, there's a number of you here in the room tonight, and your heart burns for adoption. It's like it's the Holy Spirit upon you because He is the Spirit of adoption, and where the Spirit of adoption is in the house, it manifests in adoption from the house. And some of you are just called to be pastors in the realm of adoption in your city and tackling the tide of injustice towards children and embracing and welcoming them home with the Father's embrace. Some of you, the Lord is uh, longing to raise you up. Uh, you've always wanted to be a pastor in the church, and I have good news and bad news for you today. The truth is, if you've got a pulse, you're already a pastor. You just need to find your people. And usually it'll be in your workplace. Any of you work for a living? <laughs> yeah. Would you, just, would you stand? Well, actually, let's not do that. Just raise your hand if, if like, in... 36 hours, you'll be in a workplace somewhere. Just go ahead and raise your hand. It's hard, isn't it? Fun and hard. Uh, well, I hereby, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, ordain you to be pastors in your workplace to go and be shepherds into people who are scattered and confused and fractured and distracted, who don't know how to be present, who are trying their best to make it in life, who are struggling with success and all kinds of stuff, and longing for pastors or fathers and mothers, orphans longing for fathers and mothers. And Jesus is moved with compassion, and uh, there's just a grace upon us as a community, and I may not be exegetically correct tonight, but I do hope to be a little prophetically direct with you. Is that okay? I want you to know that I occasionally, I occasionally read John Mark's books so I can, I can um, uh, 
I can't do that, and Strong's Concordance, and all of those kind of things. Right? Uh, but I don't want to do that tonight. I want to lean in prophetically in what I sense the Holy Spirit doing. Do I have your permission to do that? Yes. Uh, so that's a, a compassion movement because you already know the next great move of God is not a movement in the church, it's a movement of the church. You know that, right? It's not that we're going to gather in a, a venue that gets ever larger and larger, although probably the bad news for Bridgetown is that is going to be a little bit of your story for the next few years where the Lord just expands your territory and more people keep coming towards who you are. But that's not the goal of this thing. The goal is a movement of people into all of culture, into the whole of society, but not in their own strength or skill, which is why it ties into what we're doing here. But by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, um, releasing compassion to those around. Uh, Dave, is it okay if I tell your story tonight just for time? Is that okay tomorrow? I'll have you tell it. Uh, Dave, um, He's the one from uh, one of our students. He showed up at a bus station in uh, Fullerton in Orange County uh, where people gather, and he and his friend just went over to someone. His friend's name is Nick, and uh, that day they were having fun. I don't know if you'd already led some people to faith that day, but you'd prayed for an, one right before, and they prayed for a number of people, and our team were out leading people to faith because it turns out that people are actually hungry and looking for God and the narrative of the media just isn't true at all, like just my theory on it. It's amazing what the Lord is doing beyond the building when you go beyond the building and you meet the people. It's like <laughs> you don't actually think like that TV anchor person. You have your own thoughts. You're pretty unique and different. And anyway, they show up, and there's this, uh, there's this guy sitting on a bench and so they say to him, hey, could we pray for you today? We're Christians. We're out in the neighborhood. We're just praying for people. Can we pray for you? And what do you think he said? No, he said no. He said no. Uh, I don't need prayer for anything. And Nick said, well, what about prayer for those nightmares you've been having for the last eight years? <laughs> the guy's eyes widen. He has his attention now. Right? This is a not by might, not by power. This is by the Spirit. Nick looks at him and says, what about uh, prayer for those nightmares you've been having for the last eight years? He says, it's caused by that presence that comes and stands at the right-hand side of your room every night. And he looks at him and he says, it's not a good presence, is it? Giancarlo shakes his head and says, no, no, it's not. And they say, could we pray for that? What do you think he said? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, he did. And right there and then, they pray for Giancarlo. They lead him to faith. Meanwhile, on the bench behind them is a young girl wearing red shoes who has no connection to Giancarlo. She's just waiting on a bus going somewhere else out of town. And Nick's wife, Carrie, is leading her to faith as they're leading Giancarlo to faith. What is that? That's people keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, right? Being shepherds to the bus station. Maybe some of you are… Do you have a bus station in Portland? Wouldn't that be a great thing to gently pastor the people at the bus station, people on transition? Anyway, I digress. I can see you get the picture in that. 
He set them, the Bible says in verse 1, He gave them authority. When He called the 12 disciples to Him, He gave them power over unclean spirits. That's that moment right there where Nick is seeing that and addressing the power that has no right to show up in that young man's room. See, he thought it was normal because it had been happening for eight years, but the enemy has no right to illegally invade people's homes or their marriages or their thought life or their spaces. He's on uh, borrowed time, and he has no right to engage in that way. There's another kingdom that is common, is advancing forcefully. And as we show up in the community, we begin to show up and take power and authority and to cast out evil spirits and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Power is what it says in my Bible there. The NIV, it says authority. He gave them authority. And uh, as the Holy Spirit rests in our life, as we grow in relationship with Him, we grow in this thing called kingdom authority. And kingdom authority is a little bit different to authority in this world, and you know this, but kingdom authority comes through things like compassion. Compassion is kingdom currency. When we're compassionate, we grow in authority. Authority is never static in the life of a believer. We're either growing in authority or we're declining in authority. Authority can come in lots of ways, and I uh, won't open all of them, just take a long time, but compassion is one of them. Generosity is another way we grow in authority. Uh, risk-taking is a beautiful way to grow in authority. Anytime we take a risk, a kingdom risk, we grow in authority. Uh, understanding uh, what God has given us and releasing that to others, we grow in authority. And uh, the thing about authority is you can't see it when He gives you it. So, the Bible says He gave them authority, but uh, Thomas was probably like, where is it? I don't see it. Peter's probably like, thank you for this authority. Could we build three booths now and have authority booths for you? All of that. Judas is is probably like, hey, I think we could make money out of this authority business. (laughs) But you can't see authority until you give it away. And this is just how the kingdom works. Uh, Later, Jesus will say this to them. He'll send them into cities, and He'll say, show up empty. Like, take nothing for the journey, and I'll bring you back. The implication is, I'll bring you back full. It's just how it works. And often we think we have to have our life all together to bring hope, some hope to Portland. But actually, it's in our emptiness that the Lord pours out His fullness. And we discover that we have authority, or phrasing it with the text we started with tonight, that out of our innermost being really does flow rivers of life. That, we've, that He lives in us, that He ministers through us, and as we show up in the community, we have authority. And that authority, I'm just going to use the English word in this here, uh, the word author implies the capacity to rewrite the story. And as believers, that's what we're doing in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We are rewriting the story of families and rewriting the story of marriages and of colleges and of industries and economies. We're partnering with the Holy Spirit, and we're saying, what is the design here, and do I have your permission and your authority to change that narrative? And that's what we do together with Him in this moment. So, He gives them authority, and it lists the names of the folks. being mindful to add, and Judas, who betrayed him, finishes there. And then it says, he sent them out, and you know this, we looked at this last night, uh, with very clear instructions, as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, stepping into the Spirit, we step out in compassion, we step out with authority, and then we step into the community 
in power. And uh, we referenced this last night, uh, but I can remember uh, just the Lord doing this in a very profound way um, on, on one of our uh, trips where we, uh, where we showed up with nothing at all, with, with no sense of God's power. We'd never really seen Him move that often in healing. And um, let me do the one from healing in the streets. I, I remember the first time we went on the streets. It became this movement that God did whatever He's doing. There are lots of people all over the globe engaged with it, and it's beautiful, and it's all His doing. He's just good at that stuff. But I remember the first day, you know when people write books, they make it sound way better in the beginning than it was? I remember the first day we went out to do healing in the streets, and I was terrified. I already knew this stuff doesn't work. I was like pre-convinced if it doesn't work in church, it will never work in the city. Surely we should get good at doing this in church before we go to the city. Right? That was my working theory on it. And we show up, and the first lady to take a seat was an Indian lady. And I think um, it was either her niece or her, her daughter, I forget which, is with her. And uh, my friend Mark uh, says to her, what's the problem? She said, I have arthritis. It's largely located in my knees. And Mark says, okay, any other problem? She referenced something else. And he said, look, uh, to begin with, I'm just going to pray for you. And uh, he checks her leg length, which is brand new to me. I've, I've heard stories on it, but I've never seen it up front. And uh, he said, often this is an alignment issue. Let me just check your leg length. And so he does that. And he's holding her legs, and one is like really shorter than the other, right? Significantly so. And in that moment, he stands up and he says to anyone who can hear, come and see a miracle. And I'm thinking, dude, shut up. Like, just like, like you're making it so much worse, right? People are going to come, and, and this is not what we do in the vineyard. That's not what we do. We downplay expectations, right? We're like, you downplay expectations. You don't, like, come and see a miracle. And he, meanwhile, he's shouting, come and see a miracle, come and see a miracle. And people begin to gather this, like, predates um, or is the early part of mobile phones before you'd brew in cameras. So people begin to gather, and they're looking in. And honestly, this is his prayer. I'd never heard anyone in my life pray like this. I don't even know that it's biblical, but we could have a little fun uh, with it. This is his prayer, leg grow. You ever heard a prayer like that? I don't even know. Like at the time, I thought that's the strangest thing to pray. And then when I look through the prayers of Jesus, I realized, gosh, His prayers are kind of like that. Like when He prays for the sick, have you noticed He never says, our Father who art in heaven? <laughs> like I'm just teasing with your theology a little here. Is that okay? But have you noticed that the prayer He taught us to pray, He never prayed? Hello? <laughs> Have you noticed this? That at any time he's got a deaf person and he does not start with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, ears be opened. Like, well, that's not even prayer. You haven't even addressed the Father. <laughs> uh, you see where I'm going in this, right? I'm not trying to be irreverent. I'm trying to say it's just different to what I would expect. It's not the church I grew up in. Jesus, the church that you lead is not the church I grew up in. What about this prayer? 
I need to be careful. I don't know you well enough. I feel not vulnerable. Look at my body language now, all like <laughs> rocking. <laughs> feel not vulnerable. Take a glass of water, drink, pretend it's whiskey. Like, what about this moment where Lazarus is in the tomb? And do you remember what Jesus prayed in that moment? He prayed this, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me. I'm just saying this so that they know you hear me. <laughs> like, I'm paraphrasing. It might be the Passion version or Eugene Peterson, but it's… It's pretty much what he said, honest. I'm not making it up. I'm not, that's what he said. Imagine, imagine the worship leader tomorrow. Imagine Luke and Anna, or the worship leader tomorrow, saying, Father, I thank you that you hear when I sing songs to you. I know that you hear when I sing songs to you. I'm just saying this so that they know you hear when I sing. <laughs> what I'm saying is Jesus prayed differently. And in that moment when Mark prayed, let grow, something changed in her world, and something changed in my world, because her leg shot up. And suddenly, I'm wrestling with this whole thing where I had prayed for so long for God to show up in church that I had missed what He was doing in the city. And here He was having a party out in the community, and I had missed the whole thing because I kept inviting Him to my place, and He was inviting me to His place. And suddenly, um, this lady's leg grows up, uh, she tests for the arthritis, she says the pain is gone, and I am stunned, like I'm in total shock. And uh, she walks away with her niece or her daughter in tow, and uh, I'm kind of just trying to process the whole thing. And she gets about 20 to 50 yards down the street, and I decide I'm going to chase after her. I have this recollection in my mind that um, some Indian people are deferential to others, so they would rather say something was true. And, and that thought springs up. Uh, it doesn't sound like faith at all, does it? And it springs up, and I chase her down the street, and I say this, lady, I'm the pastor of the church. I pull rank. I'm the pastor of the church that guy goes to. It's okay if you didn't get healed. You can tell me. Uh, look at you judging me now. Right? And what I'm saying in that is, hey, that's my starting point in this. What you see last night is my journeying through it, but all of us are called to release the kingdom in power beyond the building. It's just part of the job description, and you may be like I was initially, reluctant and afraid and uh, just confused and lacking in faith, or you may be like Mark was, come and see a miracle, but it doesn't really matter. All that matters is that you take your next step. Whatever your next step to keep in step with the Spirit is, you take that one. You don't worry about what the person to your left or right, what steps they're taking and where they are in the journey. You just keep moving forward and saying, Lord, I'm coming and I'm going to keep walking towards what you're doing in the city and in the community. And that's how we keep in step with the Spirit, in compassion, in authority, and then in releasing power 
in our streets. And I do believe you're going to see in the days ahead, you're going to see a remarkable power uh, come upon the streets. That's why I've uprooted from Ireland and moved to this nation. I wholeheartedly believe that we're going to see that, and at the same time, remarkable cultural decline, but the church uh, demonstrating the power of the kingdom in a whole new level, in a whole new way. People are desperate for solutions. There are women tonight who will be beaten up in their own homes in a place of safety. They will be victims of domestic violence, and they need to know that God sees, that God knows, and that God cares. They're terrified to enter venues. They need some believer to show up in their life and say, God sees your pain, and He knows your hurt, and He's calling you out of that relationship. We need the church to be the church beyond the building, don't we? This is what it looks like to bring good news to the poor. Jesus says, verse 11, it says, Now whatever city you enter, uh, if it's worthy, uh, stay there. When you go into a house, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. When uh, I came to... Uh, John, Mark, and Tammy's home, I just said, my peace now rests upon this home, because that's what you do, right? <laughs> no. How many of you know how to give your peace to a home? Like, how many would read this text and you're just like, I have no idea. I'm just trying to find peace for myself, let alone, <laughs> like, how do I give my peace to somebody's house? Like, and would their house want my peace? <laughs> right? Did you notice he didn't say, he did, Jesus could have said, let my peace come upon it, but he didn't actually say that, did he? He said, let your peace come upon it. Isn't it interesting? It's almost like he believed that out of their innermost being would come rivers of life. He said, when you enter a home, give it your greeting and let peace, let shalom, let wellness, let wholeness, let the order of God and the favor of God enter that home because you're there. Let the city know that it's different because there's believers in the city. When you enter the city, thank you, mom. When you enter the city, give it your peace. Like when you enter the home, give it your peace. Peace is not uh, the presence of tranquility, peace. It is that, but it is beyond that. It opens a new possibility for transformation in a city. And isn't it interesting? Can I just stretch your thinking? Because you guys like uh, robust thinking. Isn't it in, interesting that in the Old Testament, we're instructed to pray for the peace of our city? So it's a request for peace. But in the New Testament, because of Jesus, it's you no longer pray for the peace of the city. You release your peace on the city. Did you see it? Yeah? We're sometimes requesting what He's called us to release. We're asking Him to do what He's called us to do. We're operating with an Old Testament perspective of the city rather than a New Testament mandate for the city. We're waiting on God to do our job, all the while taking His usually. It's not what we do. Are you okay? Am I okay? I think I am. We, it's not what we do. We, uh, we do things like build His church. It's so silly, isn't it? Jesus said He would build His church. We don't ever need to build His church. He's really good at it. Like, we'd just mess it up if we were building this church. Aren't you glad He said He would build His church? 
Like if we build it, it's a mess. But He did say to us, go into all the world and disciple nations. And what we did is we just flipped the job description. We said, if you don't mind, could you go into the nations and sovereignly win people and we'll just build this thing called church? We kind of like it here. Can we just swap jobs? <laughs> it's a little near the knuckle, isn't it? But it's, it's pretty true. We feel that. He said, when you go to a city, let your peace come upon it. This is what it looks like to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He says, if it won't receive you, shake off the dust. I don't even know what that means, but um, I know what it means for them back then. I don't know what it means now. We're, we're often so accommodating that we have no concept of what it would look like for the Lord to say, you've rejected me, I'm shaking off the dust. But this is New Testament, isn't it? So there's something in that, I guess. And then he says this, uh, uh, shake off the dust from your feet. So he's, he's just saying, hey, if they'll receive it, let your blessing come upon it. And somewhere, somewhere in church world, and I don't know how it happened, but somewhere in church world sprang up the narrative that cities are really hard to reach. And I want you to know tonight, and I realize it may be different for some of you, that Jesus never once looks at a city and thinks it's hard to reach. It's because He knows who He is, and the earth is the Lord's. I don't know if you believe this, but the earth is the Lord's and everything in it except Portland. <laughs> it's like, hey, if you look at the footnote in it, it actually says except Portland. Uh, like, the earth is the Lord's. Like, this city belongs to the Lord. It may not know it yet, but it belongs to the Lord. There's not an industry. There's not an agency. There's not a charity. There's not a university or a workplace that does not belong to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. His is the name above every name, right? Above every name. Bless you. His is the name above every name. And He owns it all. And one day, every knee will bow before Him, and every tongue confess that He is Lord. You say, well, that's great for then. Well, how does it work now? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, that God's intention was that through the church, He would fill all things everywhere. And God is filling culture as believers move out of church and into city. I don't mean leaving church. I mean moving as church, not just moving in church, but moving as church, because I passionately believe, and I know you guys do too, that every corner of culture, every corner of culture is redeemable. The Lord is able to move in culture. Um, thank you. You're encouraging me brilliantly and beautifully. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've come into this church in, in uh, Anaheim. It is filled with uh, the most remarkable people. God is doing something so sweet that is multi-generational that is astonishing me. I've never been part of a passionate multi-generational church in my life, and it is amazing to uh, be part of that. But one of their stories uh, is that um, there's a guy in the community and yeah, you're Portland, you've got broad minds. Uh, there's a guy in their community who came to faith, but his job was as a manager in a strip bar. And when he came to faith, uh, I just happened to show up at the church uh, a short time after he came to faith, and I quoted the famous J.K. 
uh, G.K. Chesterton quote, that every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. Do you know this quote? G.K. Chesterton. So I happened to quote that, and he realizes in that moment that his place of work is a place where people are continuously looking for God, but they don't know it. And it changes everything in his world. It changes everything. And he starts seeing, he starts, instead of trying to get out of his work, he starts understanding that God's presence can come even there and fill even that space. That creates all sorts of theological tensions for me too. That's what he does. Uh, one by one, I think in the end, there were 24 people from his workplace that connected with our church. Like 15, 15 of the girls, a number of the guys who would come. It's beautiful. We had, they had to, I say we because I, I, I have the privilege of leading it. Uh, they had to baptize them in secret some of the time because it would have been too offensive for the church. Isn't it remarkable? But the earth is the Lord's. There's nowhere that He can't move. There's nowhere safe from the line of Judah. And as we keep in step with the Spirit, He leads us beyond. And so, I want to finish this, um, or at least close to finish it with this story. And uh, some of you have heard me say this before. Um, but a few years ago, uh, a couple of our guys went to South Africa. They, uh, anyone here from South Africa? Yay. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, a couple of our guys went to South Africa, and they went to, um, right into the heart of the nation to a little place called Colesburg that's kind of between Johannesburg and Cape Town. And um, they went there, and they were at a conference a little bit like this. And as they were at the conference, one of the things they love to do is go onto the streets. And so they take a team from the conference onto the streets of Colesburg. And the rumor was that Colesburg was really dark and hard to reach. So, that was kind of the rumor around it. Colesburg is dark. It's hard to reach. And so, they go out there, and they set up, I believe it was eight chairs on the street, eight to twelve chairs in the street, and they set them up in the morning, and people come from all over to be prayed for and to be healed. And it's like all these people are being healed. And as they're doing that, there's two police officers watching the whole thing unfold. And they go over to them, and they say, hey, there's a local school in the area, and some of the kids are practicing occult activity. Um, we don't have power to change that, but we can see that you do. Would you mind coming with us to the school? Well, what are you going to do when the police say, would you follow us? Would you mind coming? You're going to go. Right? So, they go to the school. There's like 400 students in the school. They go there. The um, teachers introduce them and basically say, these guys are here to pray for you. And our guys say, who would like prayer? And every hand in the school goes up. And at this point, I used to always say, that's Africa, until about three years ago in Northern Ireland, we had a whole school come to faith. So, it's not just in Africa. It happens elsewhere too. But they all raised their hands, and they realized, gosh, we can't pray for all of those kids. It'd be like the beginning tonight. We can't pray for all those kids. We, it's just never going to work. So, they pray a general prayer over them. And then the police say to them, look, would you mind coming to the station with us? Well, what are you going to do, right? It's like you have to go. And so, they go to the station, and they pray for every officer in the station, including the chief of police. And it turns out that Colesburg is not that hard to reach after all. <laughs> but actually, the truth is, every city is hard to reach when the church stays in the building. Like, every city is hard to reach. But the moment we go beyond the building, 
we discover what David knew to be true. <laughs> and I feel his breath on this, so I'm going to share it with you. We discover what David knew to be true, and it's this. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my best friends. You know this Psalm, Psalm 23? Right, not even in the amplified version does it say this. You prepare a table for me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I need to apologize to you. I should not have said that. That's a, an inappropriate use of my speech. And uh, the Holy Spirit just rebuked me. And uh, so I, I'm sorry I said that. Huh, what was I saying? A, a table for me in the presence of my enemies, right? You ever see a man come under conviction? You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And the Lord prepares this wonderful table for us in the places and among the people that we just are afraid to go. And that's what it looks like to keep in step with the Spirit, to follow the Holy Spirit. We take steps of compassion. We engage there. We take steps of authority. And we do that. We take steps of kingdom power into the city, releasing the kingdom. And we take steps towards bringing life to our city. And we do it through art. And we do it through filmmaking. And we do it through media. And we do it through engineering. And we do it through architecture. And we do it through dentistry. And we do it through lift driving. And we do it in all sorts of ways. But we take steps to become pastors in our city. Just stepping in with what the Holy Spirit has for us. And um, my sense tonight as we close, and we really are closing here, is that Ezekiel text of just walking and taking the next step. And some of you, you've stepped into the Spirit, and you're up to your ankles. You're like, yep, water feels good. And some of you, it's up to your knees. And you're like, yep. And for some of you, it may even be up to your waist. But I think for all of us tonight, there's a next step that we can take. So uh, that's what I'd love to lean into together in ministry. Uh, why don't you stand? We've got plenty of time. Um, looking at it, I think, we're, I think we're okay for a few moments, but if you guys are ready to come, that would be amazing. Um, the Lord is here. And if you were Anglican, you would say, we need to pray for your memory, people. <laughs> like we only did this an hour ago. Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. And everywhere we go, His Spirit is with us. Every step we take, His Spirit is with us. The Lord is here. I want you just to take a moment, just if you would, just pop your hand in your heart. The Lord is here. He's actually here in power. Um, we'll see what He does, but um, some of you can feel right now, uh, you can feel like your hand burning, some of you can feel like your left hand, something is happening there, maybe trembling, um, burning, um, and, and if that's you, just raise it up for a moment, um, you see where you are, okay, just in here, just around this little section here, over here, okay, Lord, just more, more than that, but uh, take your hand for a moment, just pop it in your heart. And allow yourself to come home to the truth that God's Spirit 
is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And the Holy Spirit enjoys being with you. And hear Him speak to you and say that He wants to reveal the Father's glory to you and the glory of Jesus to you, that this is His great love, to glorify the Son, to glorify the Father. And allow that just to fill you, that awareness to fill you in this moment. And recognize that in Scripture, God's glory is not hidden. God has revealed His glory in His character and His nature when He passed before Moses and He proclaimed Himself to be the Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God. And tonight, allow Him to show you that His glory and His compassion come together. That when we pray for His glory to come, we're praying for His compassion to be known. Just allow the Holy Spirit to come and rest on you. And some of you right now, and I'm going to have you come to the front, and some of you right now, the Lord is marking you tonight for compassion. He's calling you out tonight for compassion. Just as surely as He called Moses to bring compassion to people, He's marking you. And for some of you, it's a very unique, very specific people group. And for others, it's a more general compassion. But the Lord is just marking you with His compassion for your city, for this city, for this region. And uh, if that's you, just... Um, wherever you are, whether in the balcony right at the back or in the room here front, you just begin to come and to gather because the Lord is going to mark you tonight in increasing measure with His heart, which is His glorious compassion. Um, you're going to know some of you, you're feeling, you're like, I don't know if that's the Lord. You're trying to process it. You're going beautifully cerebral, but your chest is burning. And so listen to your body in that moment. So where are you? You're like, yes, my chest is, it feels like it's on fire. And like I'm then you come, just come. That's the Lord marking you with compassion and just putting grace and press right in. By, um, by the time we feel tonight, we're, we're going to need the available space. So just press right in. It's compassion. Uh, let it come, Lord. Just, that's it. Just make your way from the, the balcony and all of that. And I want to remind you, um, we don't score additional points by the volume of people who come to the front. This is not for me. This is um, our opportunity to engage with His heart and for Him to mark you in this way. So uh, let's just pause a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to increasing measure. And I, I'm, I'm honestly making it a little more difficult by not having any music because I want it to be Him who marks you and I want you to know that it's Him who marks you in this moment. So, Lord, let it come. Let your compassion come. There it is. You're going to feel it like a weight in your chest, just this compassion beginning to come upon you. Lord, would you increase? Let the spirit of compassion burn in us tonight, Father.
Let the Father of compassion dwell in us tonight. Yeah, you can keep your hand, your heart, you can open them. Uh, I want to encourage you just to posture your heart as you are doing in beautiful response. To, uh, we're going to pray for a number of folks, but I want to get them all together before we release uh, the ministry team. But the presence of the Lord, the compassion of the Lord is coming upon you. So, Lord, would you increase it? Would you put it in greater measure? Would you put it in greater measure? Let compassion come. Let your compassion come, God. Let it mark us. Let it fill us. Let it come. And then we just wait. That's it. And I can see just the Holy Spirit resting on you, just resting upon you. And so I'm going to ask, as you're responding and receiving in this moment to this compassion, um, would you make your own short prayer in that invitation for Him to come fill you, like an actual verbal out loud prayer where you're saying, God, mark me with your compassion. Fill me with your compassion in your own words, whatever it is, and give me compassion for this community, whatever the community is. Let it come. And the rest of us, let's stay engaged in this moment. The Lord is here. So I'd love for you guys to keep receiving. We are going to... Um, have people come pray for you. Uh, but for, for too long, the church has done compassion in an ugly way. Like we've done it the bare minimum. We, uh, we treat people as a project and we don't see them as our honored friends, as our true friends, as our deep friends. And the Lord is releasing a beauty and a creativity around compassion in these days, that it's stunning. And, um, and so, I want to pray for those of you who are called to creativity, and you're called to express the beauty and the nature and the character of God through industry that's creative and in ways that are creative. And, and you're sensing even now the Holy Spirit begin to come upon you, or you just have faith that He might come upon you. I'm going to ask you just where you are, if that's you, would you raise your hands for a moment? Both hands, there's no magic in that. It just lets me see where you are. Uh, that's all that is. And uh, now, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come upon you, and He's going to come upon your body. And uh, some of you, <laughs> you're a little like me. I'm a five on the Enneagram, which means most days I forget I have a body. <laughs> and some of you are a little like that, the, the presence of the Lord. You're, you're not aware of how your body connects and responds to His presence, and your body was made for His presence. And so, in this moment, the Holy Spirit, upon you creatives in this moment, Holy Spirit, come and fall. Come and fall upon the creatives. Come upon them for a creative compassion, for kingdom creativity, for restoration of beauty in the earth and in the city and in the regions and among the poor. Lord, let your grace, let your gracious creativity, would you raise it up in this place? And now, Holy Spirit, would you fall upon them in increasing measure? And those of you who have your hands raised in this moment and aren't already at the front, where you sense the Holy Spirit coming upon you, you just be begin to make your way out and begin to come, and you're kind of surrounding compassion with the shield of creativity in this moment. So, you just begin to come, and those receiving compassion, keep receiving in this moment. Allow the Lord to come and to meet you.
Again, there's no, um, yeah, just receive, just receive. So Lord, we bless it. We bless what you're doing. And now I'm going to invite some of the ministry team. We're not finished calling people forward, but uh, we have so many right now. But I want to invite uh, the ministry team here. Is that what you call them, the prayer ministry team? Uh, to come and just to begin blessing what the Lord is doing um, here. And you won't want to spend too long because there's a lot of people, so you want to pray just the blessing of the Lord. But where He does cause you to linger, just linger for a little while in that. Yeah. Just let it come. And then uh, the guys from Vineyard Anaheim, if you would do what Dave's doing, that would be wonderful. Just uh, go pray. But just uh, begin to come, the creatives. This would be a great time to invite our creative musicians to come, actually. Wouldn't that be entirely and utterly appropriate uh, to do that? Uh, Lord, we just wait upon you. We bless your presence. Yeah. And there's a few other folks that... Um, I would just love to pray for in this. Uh, there may be authors in the room tonight, um, but I sense, uh, I sense a grace in the room just as we keep receiving for engineers, for engineers. Uh, most of the time, the Holy Spirit is moving in inner healing or power healing or all of that stuff, but He actually loves to rest on us for industries. So if you're an engineer, would you just go ahead and uh, put your both hands up in the air, and uh, we want to pray for you tonight. Okay, good number of you in the room. Um, what would you pray for engineers, Anna? We're having to make up a prayer for engineers. We don't have one in the, the, the Book of Common Prayer. It's not there, is it? We don't have this prayer for engineers in there. Hey, Lord, would you, would you come, God? Would you pour out your Spirit upon your engineers tonight? Thank you for the way that they partner with you in excellence and in brilliance, in understanding and in, in uh, forming. And Lord, would you grace them just where they are as their hands are raised? Would you anoint them in their field? Would you make them shepherds in their industry? Would they be those who usher others into new things? Would you give innovation and would you do the same in creativity, Lord? Would you give inventions and clarity and insight, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and counsel and understanding for entire industries? The Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. That is more than wisdom for your personal life. That's more than direction for your daily rhythm. That is wisdom that is available for entire cities and industries. And Lord, would you pour it out right now upon engineers? engineers, would you pour it out upon creatives and upon compassionate people? Okay, we, we could um, enlarge that, but here's what we want to do. It's Saturday night. Uh, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray for a while, and the guys are going to lead us in worship. But if you would like prayer for any reason at all, for healing, for anything at all, uh, this is your moment. The water's warm. Just come and jump right in. Like, um, just if you would like prayer for anything at all, just come forward, uh, jump right in. Um, it may get a little noisy in here. It may stay quiet. I don't know what the Lord's going to do. Um, but if it, if it gets like, yeah, if it goes really loud, uh, I'll come back and shepherd that a little. But for now, can we just let creative space for freedom in this and allow what the Lord wants to do?